The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. Imagine growing a business with high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, and wildly happy customers. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. LinkedIn presents... The missing element of oxygen when you bring it home gives you time to record the tiny visceral magnificent details of living. The shower after a sweaty workout, the warmth of good whiskey or a tight lasting hug, your white space etches these blessings in memory and helps you relish them. Busy can make you miss it all. It's Friday, folks. I'm your next Big Idea Daily host, Michael Kovnett. And before the weekend hits, we wanted to give you one final dose of focus. One last quick lesson on the science and the discipline of attention. All week, we've been hearing from big thinkers with big ideas on how you can improve your concentration, an endangered skill in our distracted age, and a critical one as you get back to school or to work. If you missed any of those episodes, check them out in your podcast feed or in our Next Big Idea app. Today, we're going to hear from Juliet Funt. Juliet is the founder and CEO of the Juliet Funt Group, where she offers training and advice to Fortune 500 companies and other organizations looking to train their employees in productivity without burnout. In her book, A Minute to Think, Reclaim Creativity, Conquer Busyness, and Do Your Best Work, Juliet advises all of us to build what she calls white space into our working days. Here she is. To make work feel less like dancing with a weed whacker and more like placing tiles in a mosaic, we must grasp the foundational metaphor of building a fire. To do so well, you need the right ingredients, newspaper, maybe some dry pine needles, a little fire starter, and two types of wood, soft wood to catch quick and hard wood to burn long. But your beautiful blaze will never, ever ignite if you forget one critical ingredient, space. It's the space between the combustibles that fire can't live without. The space is what makes the flames ignite and stay burning. But we forget this law of nature in every area of our lives, especially at work. I believe that every person out there has a professional spark within them. It's made up of hope and talents and the desire to contribute But when they start work, they're hit by an avalanche of emails and meetings and decks and urgency until that lovely spark is extinguished. There is no oxygen to feed the fire, and by five or six or seven o'clock, they look up and say, what did I get done today? What we need reinserted into our days is white space or time with no assignment. Moments in the day where we can think and breathe and ponder and plan and create. The name came from looking at the literal white spaces on a lightly scheduled paper calendar and realizing that those open blocks were an indication of how much possibility that day could hold. To access it, you take a strategic pause. Stop what you're doing and white space will rush in. The simplest way to begin using it is with a tool called the wedge. 
The wedge is a small portion of open time inserted between two activities. If you could see my hands, they're making an upward triangle. And we take this little wedge of a few seconds, a minute or more, and insert it into the timeline of our lives. The wedge is used specifically to pry apart actions or events that without it would have been connected. So between sitting down and diving in, between a question and your response, or between a meeting and a meeting. The wedge stops us in any moment of life where taking the next action mindlessly would be a mistake. It brings refreshment and focus and is a way to think before your next chess move. As you begin to experiment with the wedge and basic white space, your first inclination will be to think of it as time for recuperation, a time where we can just reboot our exhausted bodies and fatigued frontal lobes. But recuperation is only one out of the many ways that successful people use white space. If you care about strategy, reflection, planning, or creativity, you're going to need time to feed that fire. Think for a minute about that satisfying feeling when you clean out a garage. You're going to find treasure among the holiday decor and boxes, but one find is far more valuable than the rest. The space itself. Stand before a freshly empty room and you'll feel instantly thrilled about all of its possibilities. And your workday can feel the same, but only if you're willing to be reductive. That word has other meanings, but here we're talking about reductive in the mathematical sense, constantly looking for what we can cut, jettison, shrink in scope, or let go of entirely. I'll suggest you go even further and adopt a reductive mindset, a way of seeing the world every day where ridding yourself of the unnecessary becomes second nature. Work is not a pie-eating contest. We must unburden our talented people, and we can motivate ourselves by recognizing the significant price tag of the wasteful touch points that we're reducing. In our client research, we tend to see that low-value work costs the typical company $1 million for every 50 employees in misused talent time, or about a third of their day. This is the productivity equivalent of letting 16 out of every 50 people lie around all day long eating Doritos and playing video games. So what qualifies within your company for reductive review? Everything. Bravely and curiously, we must examine each category of action at work to create more capacity for execution. Much of this waste comes from the thieves whispering in our ear, so we need a tool that will directly disarm them, and that reductive tool is the simplification questions. They are 25 words that I use personally just about every week of my life. Is there anything I can let go of? Where is good enough good enough? What do I truly need to know? And what deserves my attention? Each question maps back to one of the thieves' risks and becomes its remedy. Drive needs to hear, is there anything I can let go of? For excellence, where is good enough good enough? For information, what do I truly need to know? And for activity, 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 what deserves my attention? Each person finds resonance with a different question, and that's the charm of them. We're drawn to the ones we most need. 
The questions can be used at the individual level or at the team and organizational level, changing I to we and my to our. They are endlessly nimble and they allow us to amplify the best by removing the rest. We run around in the muck of busy all day long and then we bring it home on our shoes. Or we work at home and busy becomes the metronome of our entire life. We strive so hard and we're trying to get wherever there is. But what will deliver us true satisfaction is often not what we think. The number of self-described very happy people peaked in 1957 when an average house was 900 square feet. Now, U.S. credit card debt is at a trillion dollars. We, we get so lost seeking what we think will give us joy that we can't find our way back. And many times, it is pausing that allows true pleasure to step back onto the stage. The missing element of oxygen, when you bring it home, gives you time to record the tiny, visceral, magnificent details of living— the shower after a sweaty workout, the warmth of good whiskey or a tight-lasting hug, your white space etches these blessings in memory and helps you relish them. Busy can make you miss it all. What if our life outside of work had a little more of what the Italians call dolce far niente, or the sweetness of doing nothing? Sitting in a coffee shop and letting your mind float, making up plot lines about strangers. Delicious idleness. From there, this time with no assignment outside of work allows us to consider activities that are white space adjacent. Reading fiction, listening to music, recreational cooking, or building a model train. To lose ourselves these days in a real hobby is a kingly luxury. It's a window for joy. With all the admirable things that you do with how hard you work, I want to make sure that you selfishly and fervently seek out and honor the pursuit of joy because that is the end game of taking on all the rest. And don't forget to make space in the lives of your overscheduled kids. I had a client who tried to buck the trend and told her six-year-old they were canceling all of the day's after-school activities so she could just, quote, Go spend time in the backyard. Her daughter looked at her and said, And do what exactly? They don't know how to enjoy space and we have to teach them. We don't get LASIK surgery for work and then continue to be nearsighted everywhere else. And once we see the world through a white space lens, that dramatic adjustment in our vision follows us wherever we go. It allows us to ask, how will I spend the precious moments of this one and only today in my one and only life? Thank you, Juliet. Well, everyone, I hope you've been inspired to add some white space into your day and your week. To make sure you don't miss any of these inspiring ideas, sign up for my newsletter using the link in the episode notes. You'll get a weekly roundup of some of the most useful ideas out there, plucked right from the bookshelves and delivered straight to your inbox. This week's episodes were written and produced by me, Michael Kovnat, and edited by Caleb Bissinger. The Next Big Idea Daily and our sister podcast, The Next Big Idea, are both proud members of the LinkedIn Podcast Network. Come on back next week for a fresh set of practical and possibly life-changing ideas. See you then.